Hello, my name is William Toady, Captain of the United States Navy, retired, former commanding officer of USS Indianapolis, former chief executive officer of Spartan Corporation. And my book is From CEO to CEO, A Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership. And today I'm going to talk about chapter six of my book, Getting Hired. So let's hit it. Chapter six of From CEO to CEO covers the mechanics of searching for a job, preparing your resume, interfacing with recruiters and headhunters, and applying for the job, interviewing, negotiating compensation, and you know, accepting your offer. So it's soup to nuts throughout the entire process of getting hired. First thing I want to make sure that I do is reinforce a point I've made in an earlier podcast. When you look for this job, it's not as important about what this specific job is, your first one out of uniform. What's really important is that you think about where you want to be in 10 to 15 years and you look for a position that's most likely to get you there. There's a nuanced distinction between those two, but it's a very important distinction and that's what you should look for. Once you've done that, then you could begin your search process. I re recommend you start getting ready for your transition to industry about 18 months before you actually make the transition. So there's a lot to do in that time period. You've got to start thinking about where you want to be in position in life, not location. And I'll get to that in a moment. You have to start thinking about what kind of skills you're going to need to get you there. If there is some preparation you could do, to get ready for that transition, that's when you want to start. And so there's a lot of those kinds of things you want to get done. Obviously, education is very important, but in most cases, what you'll find is that most transitioning military officers in particular have way more education, way more degrees than most civilians who've been in industry their entire lives. And why, why is that important? Well. All things being equal, most employers would rather you have two or three extra years of experience rather than two or three years of extra education. For example, MBAs nowadays, the, the importance of an MBA waxes and wanes over time. Today, an MBA is not very important to employers unless you're gonna be in a position that really would utilize the MBA, such as a financial position or business investment positions, something like that. So before you think about getting that MBA on top of all your other degrees, think really hard about how you can actually acquire work experience during that period of time rather than an additional degree. I do talk in the book about some of the resumes that I read where 50% of the inch column inches of the resume was taken up by education. And that gets people scratching their heads in industry because most of your leaders in industry will have a bachelor's degree and nothing more. And you know, there are master's degrees required for certain hard engineering skills and some finance skills and th there are places where those master's degrees are desired. 
but a lot of military folks have maybe a bachelor's degree, a master's degree from uh, a war college, an additional master's degree from postgraduate education, from AFIT or Monterey or something like that. And pretty soon, your hiring manager may think that you spent way too much time in school and not, too, not enough time actually doing work. And that can be a negative. So before you think that you need another degree in order to transition to industry, think again, because that may not be as important as you might think. I talk in the book about how to interface with search firms and, and what the objective of the search firm is, who the client is for those search firms. And in most cases, it's not gonna be you, it's gonna be the employer. And, and what's really important to think of, there are search firms that specialize in transitioning military personnel. There's one firm in particular that I used when I transitioned, it's been acquired by another major search firm, but it remains as a division of that major search firm that specializes in transitioning military. Those kind of companies can be worth their weight in gold. And I really do encourage you to look at them. I do give you short timelines, or checklists of what to do at the 18-month point, at the 12-month point, six-month, and three-month point. I encourage you to look at those. I talk about the importance of improving your internet presence because your hiring company and potentially your search firm will look at your internet presence to try to figure out what you thought was important to putting out there in the public domain. Remember, if you make an item public, viewable by the public, you lose all rights to privacy for that information. And so companies can and will look at what you thought was important to put out there. So I encourage military members to clean up their internet presence before they start their job search process. I talk about how to prepare your resume. A resume is not a one-size-fits-all document. The resume should be tailored to the position you're applying for. And I talk about one of those many things that I was told when I was transitioning out of the military that turned out to be absolutely wrong. Again, I'm not beating up on the transition assistance program instructors. They're only doing what they're told to do. They don't really know anything but what's on their lesson plan. But one of the things I was told to do when I was transitioning out of the military was to civilianize, that's the word that was used, my military positions. For example, I was told to change the position of commanding officer of a nuclear submarine to chief executive officer of a nuclear submarine. To me, the advice made sense at the time. Little did I know how much laughter it would generate when people were actually reading my resume. Not until I was in my civilian job for a couple of years and I sat in on some interview boards where I was in the back office with some people reading resumes and looked at the ludicrous nature that some of these job descriptions ended up being, that people were literally laughing out loud as they read them, did I realize how bad that advice was. Instructor tells you to civilianize your position. It's based on the presumption that the civilian reading your resume would not know what a commanding officer is. And let me, you know, share a newsflash with you. Every American who's ever watched a military-themed movie, which includes every American over the age of eight, knows what a commanding officer is. 
And every person in industry knows that there is a profound difference between a commanding officer and a chief executive officer. And so when you write that that way, where you say I was a chief executive officer of a submarine, it could only mean one of two things. Number one, you don't know enough about industry to understand the difference between what a CEO and a CEO is. In other words, you're ignorant. Or number two, you do know the difference between a CEO and a CEO and you lied about it. You lied about your position. You, you, you said that you were a CEO when in fact you weren't because a CEO does a lot of things that a commanding officer does not do. And so do not follow the advice to civilianize your resume. This is just one of the many factors I include in the book. I encourage you to read. But again, I wanted to share that with you because it was so profoundly bad advice. In the book, I also discuss the trade-off between the variables you'll be presented with when you're trying to make your decision about a particular job. And those three variables will be job type, compensation, and location. So it's likely you can get two of those three when you get your job offer, right, that you want. You, you may be able to get the compensation you want and the job type you want, but it may not be in the location you want. Or you get the job location you want and the job type you want, but it won't be with the compensation you want. There's going to be a trade-off anytime you're presented with an opportunity. My word of advice to you is, and there's very few wrong answers when you're looking for a job and transitioning to industry, but one wrong answer is that you should put location ahead of those other two variables. I hear it all the time from military folks. Look, I've gone through multiple PCS transfers during my time on active duty. My kids are in school. I don't want to move them yet again. And therefore, I'm, I want a job in this particular location. And I get that. Look, my son went to three different high schools when I was on active duty. So I understand fully. But the issue is the job you get as you exit the military is going to establish the trajectory you're on for the next 20 years and could establish geographic stability during that 20-year period. Now, who doesn't want that, right? So by trading that off for your first out-of-uniform job, you may end up with none of those three variables that you want, job type, job location, and compensation. If you make the most important factor the location, you may end up not happy with any of them. So my advice to you is flex on location. That will likely provide you more stability in job type and job compensation. And who doesn't want that, okay? So again, that's some of the rec advice I give you in the book. The next thing I cover in the book is the interview process. I talk about the various players that will be involved in the interview process, starting with your recruiter or headhunter, moving to an in-company, potentially an in-company uh, recruiter, and then evolving to the hiring manager. I talk about the different roles that everybody plays, including human resources during that process and what aspects they're going to look for. And again, I refer back to chapter one, where I talk about that one thing, which is an informed passion to learn. Throughout the, in your resume and throughout the interview process, 
your hiring company, the people that are, that are interviewing you, will look for evidence, not hand-waving statements, but evidence that you have an informed passion to learn. And so you're going to be provided opportunities to provide them with that evidence. And, and, and the, when I say evidence, it's going to be experiential. Things that you've done to demonstrate that you're informed. Things that you've done to demonstrate that you have a passion. Things that you've done to demonstrate you have the ability to learn. Because that's what you're going to be. You're going to be placed in a position where you're going to be required to do all three of those things. And that's what they're going to be looking for in the interview process. I also talk about compensation expectations. When a company opens a position, they call it a requisition, to hire a new employee, they, part of the process of doing that, they do something that's called leveling. What leveling means is they look at what similar people in similar positions in similar locations are receiving in compensation for doing that job. And they actually to create a patient, a range of compensation for the people doing the same kind of job in the same location. And then they target a specific percentile of that compensation range. And that's what they'll start offering you. And I talk about this process a lot in the book. One of the biggest mistakes I find transitioning military folks make is by overvaluing their value to the marketplace. It's often said that transitioning military, if you retire from the military in particular, you can double your salary in a day. And a lot of people mistakenly believe that what that means is your civilian pay will be 2x your active duty pay. That's not what it means. What it means is your total compensation after you transition into industry, including your retired pay and your new civilian pay, can be 2x what you were making on active duty, which is wonderful, isn't it? It's not that your civilian company is going to pay you 2x what you were making, you know, fully invested with all of your allowances and things like that that you were making on active duty. Because of that misunderstanding, a lot of transitioning military folks actually overestimate their value to the marketplace. When the company is hiring into a position, they know more than you do about what people in similar positions in the same location are making. And they're gonna base their offer to you on that analysis. And so you ought to think really hard about what they're offering you. I've seen people set unrealistic expectations of compensation and get thrown out of consideration way early in the process, which is a mistake. And I give you advice on how to deal with this in the book. And the advice is, in essence, allowing the company to move forward with their offer to you. Let them make the first move. And then think really hard about whether you reject it and whether you're overestimating your worth to the marketplace. Once you've established your viability and your value to the company, it's a whole lot easier to argue that you deserve more money. But when you're brand new, unproven in industry, you ought to think really hard about whether you're going to reject that first offer because oftentimes just like when you're trying to sell a house the first offer is often the best and by rejecting that first offer you can end up in even worse position than you were had you accepted it 
So I give you a lot of advice on that. Lastly, I tell you how to handle multiple offers. Let's say you get offers from different companies. It was a position I found myself in. I hope you find yourself in the same position. What do you do and how do you evaluate those multiple offers? I actually build a matrix for you in the book that tells you how to weigh the different offers and what factors to consider as you're weighing them. And I, I really recommend you do this in formal fashion. Write it down against all of the, the metrics that I suggest you weigh those offers against to try to figure out which of those offers is going to suit you best. Lastly, I provide you some context on what your thought process should be as you transition into this job once you've received and accepted that offer. But I'm going to cover a lot more of that in Chapter 7, uh, where I'm going to give you some detailed information you're going to need to improve the success of your next career. So, having said that, see you in Chapter 7. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.